0: Mama, I got bad news, bad news, I've been rolling with some bad news, bad dudes, I've been trying to get a bag, too,
1: a bag too. Hello, listeners.
2: Welcome to the Ashes to Awesome Podcast, Rising and Recovering. Our podcast provides light, hope, and understanding about addiction and mental health to those living within that life and the people who love them. Today's episode is brought to you by Gotcha Treatment Centers in Phuket, Island. They are a clinic run by clinicians, not a business run by businessmen, and they know that where addiction is a smoke. Trauma is the fire. Learn more at yachtracenters.com. That's Y A T R A C E N T R E dot com. Hey listeners, welcome to another edition of Kaleidoscope Wednesday on the Ashes who awesome podcast. I'm sitting in virtual studio with our regular Wednesday, I want to say guest, but we're gonna call him a co-host now, Ryan Bathgate. How you doing today, Ryan?
3: Well, much better now that I've uh, got a promotion to, to co host.
0: <laughs>
3: you know life, life's really taken off for me here well, you know, 16 yeah, episodes good. but
1: <laughs> no
3: i'm good actually I'm, I'm i'm uh i'm really i'm really um really well uh yeah life is full
1: good and um good, good. you
3: know like we, we we always have these options to to, uh, attach what we want and I want to attach meaning to, uh, progress and growth and like, just life is freaking cool, man. Like it is a, it's a trip. Awesome. It really is, awesome. it, you know, looking at yeah. it the right way. And if I can do that consistently, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, um, it's, it's a gift. I'll, so I'll leave it at that.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so for today, I, uh, it, it's been a crazy couple of weeks for us here on the show, you know, as the listeners well know um the last episode they heard was yours right actually by the time this one airs there, there should be one in between you know i am interviewing a fellow from your part of the world well from your building here later on tonight uh and yeah. i i hope to get that one aired and done for tomorrow morning so yeah um yeah and well,
3: i think there's a there's I listened to a ramble
2: yeah yeah you no. did a ramble as well but like the last no, no, episodes mike, have been you
3: mike did a my, oh, yeah, 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 that's right, dreams. too.
2: Okay, I apologize. Oh, jeez. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean,
3: hey, listen, yeah. like, I don't, you know, like, I don't know the ins and outs of this stuff. And, I'm, and, I, and I kind of, you know, like, from a, from the bleacher seats I watch and, like, the you know, technology is such an important thing. And the, the learning curve of how to, how, to, how to be a producer is, uh, <laughs> I just would have never guessed in watching you do all this and, like, have what happens when something goes wrong, especially technology-wise how mm-hmm. that really impacts stuff, but it also opens, opens up to new opportunities. So yeah. That's yeah. Right,
2: cool. right. So, <laughs> I mean, right now we're, I guess it kicked us into video episodes, uh, you know, full time now, right? you know, so uh, this being now the third video episode recorded, probably the fourth one published by the time I get to uh, p- publishing it. And it's been, it's been quite the adventure. I mean, the whole show has been quite the adventure really. And and I guess that's kind of what I want to talk about today Um the show's evolution and our evolution, working together now it's been you know four months right mm-hmm. i think lifetime i think i think four months right <laughs> Uh, well, in the, in the show's perspective, it is a lifetime. That, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> right? I think our first episode was episode 30 something. And here we are at uh, 130 or 140 ish, whatever the hell it is now. Right. So yeah, we're uh, up there. Yeah. 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 yeah right. So there's it, been a lot that's happened between now and then. And, uh, the video episodes, it, it, I'm excited to do that. You know, now that I got the new chompers in there, I can, you know, I can <laughs> do that confidently. i um, still some more to do on the bottom, but we'll get to that. It's uh it feels a hell of a lot better. Um, and now, of course, with the video episodes, it gives you, the listeners a chance to get to know both of us a little bit better. But I want to focus a bit on you today. Um, our history, I guess, if I could speak to that real quick. Sure. Uh, grade school buddies, you know, um, you, my brother and myself were uh, uh, three musketeers in our own kind of way back then. Eh? Right? <laughs> Getting into yeah. shit and doing whatever we were doing. Yeah. Uh, because- lost contact for, for 30 years. For the most part i mean there's a couple hellos and highs in there but you know i bumped into india once in, in calgary and well
3: yeah i'd say you know. safely like uh safely 20 25 years you know yeah. like there was some yeah. um cross party habits there in the my late <laughs> teens or early 20s yeah, um yeah, yeah. we did some i did some moving with you for yeah. some some beer money yeah, at yeah. one time,
2: <laughs> everybody, everybody that knows me did moving with me for beer money at one time. Jesus, yeah, eh? yeah, 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 yeah. That was so, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. but
3: I mean, so that's like what am I? I'm 45 now. 25 years, pretty safe to say we lost. Yeah,
2: touch yeah, forever. right, right. So, yeah. um, now you know, social media. More. Thank you. You know, I, sorry.
3: I did every every couple of years. I sent a message, out.
2: Yeah, you I, did I, so. I, you did so. I yeah, would
3: make yeah. attempts. Mm. So mm. I'm blaming you. Yeah, there's some, there's some
2: shame coming from Ryan. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, shame
3: shade. Throwing yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I have to distract from the super pink watermelon shirt now that we're on video. It's biting <laughs>
2: salmon. It's not pink. <laughs>
3: I, you know what? And I got pink socks. Here, really?
2: He's just yeah. rocking I the pink, my pink today.
3: My pink, uh, I got my pink Vans on. <laughs> I like pink. It's my daughter's Love favorite it. color.
2: Yes, 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 yes. So, anyway... Uh, the wonders of social media gets, gets us back in touch, you know, after after so long. Um, I'm not sure if I'd started the podcast by the time I said hi again. Yeah, I, I had. I had just just started it. Right. Yeah. I yeah. yeah. think it was yeah.
3: like you were in the, the Civil War story days or something like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was and, still and, telling stupid stories and whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So
3: I'd sent a message out maybe in the fall and then you replied to it uh, like in like January, February.
2: That sounds about and right. Then, the timeline works. Yep.
3: Yep. And then you had an I, I, got, I think, I think at that point you must have like researched a little bit of what I was up to or something because you, then we started talking about what you were up to and like, I, I, yeah, I, I, would I do a a, a a memorial for my sister, which we obviously both knew, and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and then I think I audaciously um, invited myself to do a segment.
2: <laughs> but I think you you should, so. your, your, resp- yeah. your response yeah. was
3: that's exactly what I was thinking, or something to those lines. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. No, no, no. It's definitely. Uh, I, I wouldn't call it audacity in any way. Um, so let's go back to that. I guess uh, those those missing years, uh, and, and I know we don't like to get into your history in detail, but what about um, kind of a synopsis of what was going on through all that time there, right Um, you know,
3: like I um, I did the 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 party thing, you know, like everybody, I guess. And um, I, you know, like, I, I moved around a lot. I, uh, uh, you know, like Comox, the big move is you've moved to Victoria, that's the big city, you know, like, that's a yep, big yep, move yep. everybody does. And, and then I ended out in Rocky Mountain House, uh, back in Calgary a few times, worked, mm. in, uh, worked in the pipeline, uh, did framing, did just about every job that um (laughs) that didn't require any education I went back to college in 1998 maybe something like that at Camosun in Victoria and I think you know we uh we sold dime bags and uh and I pretty much um (laughs) I pretty much uh I went to school I carried a flask with me every day you know like (laughs) So I don't, you know, I don't even know what happened there, but I, and I got a, I got a, my first charge as an adult while I was going to Camosun. So I was 19. I was just, just adultable. And -hmm. then, um, and I kind of changed my trajectory a little bit. I was, I was going for crim, um, thinking that I was going to go to law school. That was my dad's thing. The whole, my whole life was like, you're going to be a lawyer or a dentist. That was, (laughs) you know, I was like, well, dentist sounds lame, but I could be a lawyer. So, uh, what I didn't. You know, you retrospect is, is everything. I would have never had the discipline for, for that. You kind never would of have. Which I'm sorry. Stu- the discipline for that level of study, like yeah, um, yeah, yeah, to be to be to you know to go to to um, whatever to get my crime degree and then go to law school and you know seven years later, like no, nah, that was never going to happen. Um, so I, yeah. I went on a. Uh, I remember I was in Victoria and my buddy said, "Hey, I'm going to Calgary." And I mean, I was three sheets to the wind. So I grabbed a cowboy hat and a bunch of CDs because that's what year it was. And uh, and I ended up out in Strathmore or Chestermere Lake. And I just didn't, I just I just partied with my old man until I realized it was like October and I'd missed going back to school.
1: And so um,
3: I got a job with him doing Cat5 cable installation, uh, right data too, communications. Yeah. My dad was, uh, he worked for tell us. And then he re- took a retirement package and, and went and worked for another company. But he got into some trouble with being able to operate a motor vehicle. And so I was his driver setting up uh, switchboards. Uh, and so I learned anyway, I picked up uh, my first real trade there a communications technician, I started working uh, until wireless, I, I, got, I got sober at that time. Um, again, and that one stuck for quite a while um so so i went to uh, so about, about a couple of months into that job i got trained on this uh, satellite system called the ovc2 satellite system for it was, it was proprietary of fedex it was the first real-time tracking like now you can everything is real-time tracking well, this is okay. the first yeah. one you could do that and it was all by satellite transmission and so mm-hmm. i was the only one in canada with this training so he scooped me up we i i, I packed up my 1982 jeep cj and headed across Canada in the middle of winter, it was December. Uh, huh. it, and this thing wouldn't, it'd start, bolts would start falling off once you hit 100 kilometers an hour. Like it was, <laughs> it was literally a bucket of bolts. It was literally a, a, a metal bathtub with a motor. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, yeah. And so, like, and the lights went out. I, I broke down a Medicine Hat, like the first time. Like that should have been an omen, you know. Like, and then, and then, uh, yeah, the lights went out in the middle of the night. And like, the, I, bro- I drive by this sign, is like n- past North Bay, and it said the coldest recorded temperature in Canada. And I was like, my lights just go out.
1: Oh wow! Like, oh hey. my
3: god! I couldn't see anything. It was snowing so bad. There was moose running towards the car in the road, and so I pull <laughs> into this like. There's the only it was the only motel anywhere. Yep. I pull in and I'm like, I'm gonna die out here. Like it is so it's minus forty. Mm-hmm. And I was I didn't know what to do. And this lady had forgotten, the lady who owned the motel, she'd forgotten a piece of mail that she needed for the bank in the morning. And she just happened to pull in like at 40 minutes after I got there and I'm ready to freeze to death, and was like, Oh my god, yeah, no, and gave me a room. And so, so and kidding. so I yeah. slept in this room and then I drove without lights to, um, to a, uh, where it was Sault Ste. Marie. Um, there was a Canadian tire. I got some wire, I hardwired from my battery to both of my lights. And so every time, <laughs> <laughs> every time I'd stop, I'd have to lift the hood and take the, take the thing off the battery. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, and I moved to Toronto. I lived there for about seven years. Um, yep. and I did, uh, I was a member of the oh, It was like, it was, uh, you know, the show and shine as Mr book thumping captain recovery uh just so full of shit though like yeah. uh, nothing yeah. but ego nothing you know I was a young guy with multiple years and look at me and check out how many cigarettes I got can get from my sponsees and you know like <laughs> just a pile of like I pull up with my with my my jeep and have base just pouring out of it ruining the whole meeting for everybody and then all these <laughs> like you know six months sober girls pouring out of it. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. So just a cool guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Just actually like, aid, right. Yeah. Well, and then,
3: you know, yeah. like I uh, found a resentment against AA and stopped going and, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, uh, and then I, so eventually I, I saw it was minus 30 and March 31st, I think, or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like all those years of people, every time they meet me, they go, you're from, you're from Vancouver or Vancouver Island. Like, why do you live here? You know, like, you know, you don't have family, here. Like, what the hell are you doing? Eventually I was like, yeah, that's a good question. You know? So, uh, I moved back, I moved back over here. Um, I decided that I was never going to live anywhere. I didn't want to live for money period. And my, my heart and my home is here. And there's something about growing up with the ocean close by. It does, really does something to you. Like when you're yeah. away from it, you really miss it. And I was gone for about 10 years between Alberta and, and Ontario and, uh, you know, missing the mountains and missing the ocean is really, um, yeah, it drew me back. And so I started, um, that's when I went into, um, I came back. And so my buddies that I grew up with went from, you know, selling um, shorts and pants or long tails and short tails or whatever you want to call them, half grams and grams to, to moving moving yeah. larger stuff. And so um, I started to explore the illicit markets a little bit and, I carried that on for a while. The thing though is like when you have a taste for something and you try to sell it, it doesn't always work out. And so what no, I found is it that no. <laughs> yeah, I am I'm a I'm not good at uh dealing in, in the illicit world.
1: <laughs> so yeah.
3: So that turned into, you know, uh I, I did a stint in treatment, and uh, um, and then I did another, you know, stretch of recovery. And I, you know, like I, I'm a firm believer that it is a wonderful place to get going. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you know, like it might just my own philosophy is that just like everything, if you don't keep exploring and expanding the horizon of understanding, everything becomes a prison eventually. Everything okay. you know, like, and I will admit, like, the prison walls of a recovery uh, um, community are a lot healthier and a lot more uh, easy to navigate than the prison walls of a fentanyl addiction or uh, uh, you know, a crack cocaine addiction or something, like that. even, or alcohol. of course,
1: right? Yeah, you know what yeah.
3: I mean. And so, um, so yeah, I just kind of, um, you know, I got busy and life took off, and uh, you know, eventually it went from going once a week to. Showing up for for people's cakes to um to just being a supporter from the outside, I guess. And when you get into like when, when I became so I, I should go back, I guess because I went to I went to school and got my um my uh, required counseling certifications, um, okay, which took some time. Uh, and I did that like so. This is after I was like um, you know I did construction and I did electrical apprentice and I was a communications technician. Just all these things that my heart wasn't in. And yeah. so, but I was so shit scared to go back to school, man, because uh, and I know I've talked about this before, but I guess that's why we're kind of doing a revisit here. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, From the time that I, I quit college in 1998 to the time I went back in 2013, I think, I was so scared to go back to university, like so scared because I had not, I'd never had anything, you know, like um, success was not something that i was familiar with in any endeavor i pretty much went, did and so uh, i thought the only thing i ever had really was my intelligence and that was also a sp- source of insecurity so i thought if i went to school i would fail and be proven that i wasn't as smart as i thought i was or it was the only thing i had left that would be taken away from me and i'd, and I'd be left with nothing and so um you know that that finally came to like it everything was 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 in it took me that much time to get the, the courage to, to face that fear, to be honest. So everything fell into place. And like, it was like yep. the moment I decided to go to school, because in that time, I, I got a DUI, because we like to do that. Uh-huh. They threw the book at me, they didn't, <laughs> the judge did not see me as a productive member of society, based <laughs> on um, to, uh, well, his thing was my um, affiliations at the time. Uh, yeah. So I had $7,500 of fines that I had to pay to get my license back or $7,500 in unpaid interest from my student loan. And so it was uh-huh. a crossroad. So, And I had just saved up enough for to get my license back when I found out that I needed to pay this thing if I wanted to go to school. So it was a really big yeah. fork in the road in my life. And I sh- obviously chose to pay uh, the school so I could go to school. And I went on to not have a license for the five years or whatever it was. So I lived out of a backpack. I I took the bus everywhere. I lived downtown uh, in commercial drive area, which is the coolest area in Vancouver, probably for being in your early 30s, which I was at the time single guy, you know, it was good. Um, So yeah, I mean, I lived this whole life until you know, until I really I, I, uh, I finished school, I went and got a job with Mike uh, at at, at, uh, my old organization, I don't want to Plug an organization that doesn't deserve it here, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> all right. Um, yep. But uh, my mentor was, I, I worked there for a long time. My mentor, uh, he, when he built it, he built this phenomenal place. It was just amazing. Uh, you know, I made 20 bucks an hour and didn't care. You know, all yeah. I cared was just like, I loved coming to work every day and I loved the ability yeah. to. And, I, and the other thing is, I had an audience. And, and so I got to take all these ideas and put them into, into play. And like, once I got into the world of, uh, first therapy, but now more of systems, um, yeah. it's, it's been this passionate drive that, you know, like, doesn't, uh, it doesn't take, it doesn't take away, it doesn't, um, you know, I, I don't know how to explain it, but it, it, there's a ton of motivation. And now that I have kids, it, it, and the motivation is to really shift or alter the social tapestry in a way that we, we find more humanness within our daily interactions, uh, opposed yeah. to the traditional, you know, war on drugs. Um, you know, the stigma of therapy, the stigma of mental health, like all of that stuff that we've seen in our life, uh, homosexuality, like we've seen all these things evolve in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. And I want that. I want to have an imprint. I just want, you know, I don't even care if I have anything to do with it, but I want my daughter's world to be a hell of a lot better than than, you know, what,
1: we've, what right. we've come yeah. up
3: with, especially when relevant to being, allowing individual freedom and allowing people to feel and be who they want to be and how they want to be and how they want to identify and whatever, because none of it's any of my goddamn business to tell you
2: the truth. Yeah, right. Now, for a quick public service announcement. One of the best ways to reduce stigma is with education. If you still have questions that we haven't answered on today's show, you can learn more about Together We Can's Education Group at TWCRecoveryLife.org.
1: Hi, everybody. This
3: is Carl with today's public service announcement about Naloxone, or as it's more commonly known, Narcan, a medication that can help save the life of somebody experiencing an opioid overdose. Did you know that in 2021 opioids were responsible for over 7,000 deaths in Canada and 106,000 deaths in the United States? These numbers are staggering, but there is hope. Narcan is a medication that can reverse the effects of an opioid overdose and help save a life. Narcan is available for free at participating pharmacies and harm reduction centres across Canada and is also available without a prescription at most pharmacies in the United States. Now I know most of you won't be around people using opioids, but you never know when it will be around you, and you could save the life of someone who is
2: loved and who loves. You know, yeah, true story. True story. So, yeah.
3: So then, and then that's why I shifted. Uh, you know, instead of going for my my master's in, in in counseling, I shifted and went to into leadership because it's about systems change. And my big thing at that time, which still is, is about policy reform and how we are how we okay. are treating mental health and addictions through the lens of political policy and and rule making. and I how's that going is... for you
2: so far? Then, like, do you feel like you're making any headway, or are you, are you kind of feeling like? You know that emptying a teaspoon, emptying the ocean with a teaspoon thing like you know you well it's, know. it always
3: feels like that to be honest with you
2: yeah um yeah.
3: you know like you look at the numbers like the overdose right. The, right. The, right. The, yeah. the, the drug poisoning deaths are like at an astronomical rate and like when my sister died in 95 it was like whoa like what happened you know like how could this be and and if that if she were to die today it would be uh, you know Um, top of a conversation for a couple days and people would be on and then another one would happen, you know? And so, um, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's, it always feels like that, but like, you know, I've made some headway relative to connections and like the CDPC and things like that. But, you know, when I was in grad school, I came up against, uh, ethics and, and, um, their willingness. Uh, and now I understand it better at the time I was pissed, but they didn't want me to work with vulnerable, vulnerable populations. I wanted it to be about, I wanted my thesis to be about, um, how the, how this, how the justice, social justice system, uh, impacts or reinforces the stigma, uh, relative to addictions and mental health. And especially with this idea that, uh, addict and, addiction and criminality go hand in hand, which just pisses me off. And yeah. so, yeah. um, uh anyways they they would i had to shift my 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 focus and it became about how working with mental health and addictions or or uh, mental health and substance use affects the the workers like the people doing the work because basically okay. yeah. they are um you know private sector is a heck of a lot more lenient in expectations uh that people get from workers uh, than yeah. they are in the, in the nonprofit sector so we do a lot more for a lot less and mm-hmm. um and you know the people that go into that work, they care because nobody's there for a paycheck. Let's be honest. Yeah, right. You right. know, we're yeah. we're there to yeah. impact. That, so that's that... funny.
2: When I was um, when I was in detox this last time, there's one of the staff there. Um, she's hated by, strongly disliked by most of the the clients there. You know, there's always going to be one of those people, and mm-hmm. you know, she's all about the rules. And 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 I I fell into that too. And then one day I'm sitting there talking to her. And it turns out that she's got these crazy, like high blood horses all over the world. She's got like, I watched her car pull up. She's got a Mustang that someday I could hope to dream to have. Hmm. And I'm like, she doesn't need to be here. Right. She obviously doesn't need to be. She's not here for the paycheck. She's here because she cares. Yeah. Right. And, and all of us need to stop and think about that. And and it really helped change my tune. and, And it really it made me think about each and every person there in a different light. At the end of the day, right? And said, so if, "If you're wow. here, it's because you want to be, because you care. There's no other reason to get into it. You know, there's no real incentive. That's for sure, right? You know, and financially,
3: it's certainly no money. I'll give you an example here. Like my my degree averages mm-hmm. of uh, I'm, I won't give you the numbers. I'll just tell you that I work for thirty thousand a year less than what my degree averages.
1: Wow. Yeah. Wow.
3: And wow. You yeah. know what we deal with here is, it's uh, oh. it's it's a lot, yeah. You know, yeah, and I, like there's, you can
2: compare it to your average private,
3: thing. right? I'm sure, right. It's, yeah. And and yeah. like you know, this is where you know at least when I talk about apathy being a duvet, like these these all these things that we learn along the way. And here's what what came in my thesis is that when when we train people in emotional intelligence, they have a higher propensity to be effective in their job, mitigate burnout, and know and learn how to regulate their emotional uh, response and those Mm -hmm. that are poor ill-equipped sorry um often face burnout put themselves last put their family last and become ineffective in the long run and like um, which was something i didn't expect to be honest with you i didn't see that coming out of the research but um Mm -hmm. it's definitely something i look at now of course um i you know if you've listened to the show you know i i have a hard time uh navigating um you know, put, prioritizing either myself or, or my time with my family, which is a constant, constant struggle. Um, but, you know, I, I got no, I got no excuses. I, I always tell myself, I signed up, I made a commitment, and that commitment is important, that commitment is to help people. And yeah, uh, yeah, and so it, yeah, it gets, I mean, help people, help uh, be with my family, make sure, you know, I mean, you know, it gets, it gets, um, mm. Mm, what's the word? Uh there's dissonance, I guess would be the best way yep. to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, so especially when it comes to values. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I know I kind of j- jumped jumped around a bit. But I mean, uh, you know, like,
2: that gives uh, us uh, it, for sure. Right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah <laughs> and, 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 um, and it's all like, you know, so it's all started with um, watching how like, I know, like, when my sister died, it was like, people were trying to make excuses, you know, like, and she, it was, hers is what I would call an accidental overdose, not a, not yeah. necessarily even a poisoning in that case, yeah. um, because, um, you know, she did the she took the wrong back, uh, yeah. you know? And so, and, and, you know, alcohol and heroin, they don't go to well together. And so yeah. that, yeah, that yeah, you know, that like, man. that's how, that's how that happened. But, um, you know, like I, I hear a lot of like, you'll hear about somebody who's passed and then the, the, you'll hear that it was an aneurysm or something like that. And like, 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 I, I know that's not true. You know what I mean? And so like, it's yeah. still, it's still here. It's still here today. The stigma, of that, course it um, is. Yeah. you know, yeah. and, 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 you know, like, you know, I know one of those memes, it's like, it's not an addict using It's, it's a human being suffering. And like, and, the, and, yeah. and it, there's, yeah. we can't it just to look at it any other way is a disservice to the social tapestry and what we're building moving forward. You know, Mm -hmm. and how, how is, how are we choosing words that are going to mitigate the reinforcement of stigma relative to, um, to mental health and substance use? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah, I do. I do. um,
3: And the other thing is like, just because people use substances doesn't mean they're addicts. Like substance use disorder is like 10% uh, diagnosed of the people that use substances in the world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah.
3: So so it's just. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, the questions aren't like, why are you doing that? It? Is Is it's like, what thing. is what, what, what's the pain? You know, I saw this thing, um, a meme today about like, uh, it's not, you know, marijuana is not a gateway. Alcohol is not a gateway. Uh, whatever is not a gateway, uh, sexual abuse is a gateway. Uh, neglect is a gateway childhood trauma is a gateway. What are we doing today? Wow to ensure that our children aren't going to be in those places in 15 years. Right. You know what I mean? And how are we looking at the development of our children from, especially from an abuse and neglect standpoint, which, you know, we're we're at least in an open space enough with the social tapestry that we can have these conversations now. You Know mm-hmm. well, that what just didn't even exist. I remember, like, when you're going to a shrink, you crazy. Like, I remember that thinking <laughs> that in the 80s. Yeah, remember, you know I mean?
2: remember when we were kids here in Alberta, you go to Panoka, right? That was that was like an insult <laughs> through and through, right? <laughs> right. You know, that. yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, right, yeah. So, yeah.
3: um, so we've evolved <laughs> quite a bit, and and and, and, I, and I just, you know, for me, it's an important to be an agent of that change, um. And you know, like as much as I have an, an ego and, and and I have uh, some ideas and some are not popular, but uh, it doesn't matter to me what yeah. role I play, as long as there's being yeah. roles played. You but know I think, what I mean?
2: I think if people disagree with you, all the better because that opens the conversation. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the conversations are what leads to the the good things, right? Whether you're right or wrong, to me, doesn't matter because now there's been a conversation had, and that's how we get to to moving forward right that that's how we do it right there right
3: you know i couldn't agree more and you know like and, you know Brene brown talks about that is like you know courage is the ability to have the tough conversations and like yeah, that's what yeah, we have right? to do
1: absolutely and so yeah.
3: it, that makes me kind of think of like um you know you know they like, got I, I was talking about how i was in my truck yelling at the radio like no it's the same thing when i was listening to the ramble about the whole shame <laughs> guilt thing right yeah yeah and so I don't know if you if you have explored the world of Brene Brown's work, but
2: Uh, just just surface levels so far.
3: For me, it it was she's a huge influence. And a lot of the stuff that I talk about or the theories I've developed have started with listening or or reading her work, you know, in concert with some, you know, Viktor Frankl and some uh, (laughs) Husserl. And, you know, there's a number of influences. But when we talk about the, the guilt shame thing, this all started for me with her statement that Lisa had said that yep. the understanding is guilt is I have done something wrong. Yep. Shame is I am wrong. Right. That's a Brene Brown Yeah. So yep. that worked for me. I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So now I started to learn this locating thing, you know, about, you know, which mm-hmm. is, which is uh, phenomenological as far as like consciousness. And it's also existential in that it's a human experiencing, right? And yep. so, what I try to do is I try to locate where these feelings are, so I know where they're either where they're coming from or how that they're operating within my being, and I locate them physically. So when I think about anxiety, I'm like lower solar plex, uh, stomach tension. You know what I mean? Yep. When I think about yep. love, it's kind of up a little bit higher in in my heart, and I think about mm-hmm. connection is the same place. When I think about fear, I'm up here in my head. You know what I mean? So, so that's what I mean by locate. Like I physically try to locate. So I go to guilt, and I'm like, guilt is this place in between. um, It's in between anxiety, and it's and it's just below love and connectable. But it's this it's this very concentrated, driving feeling that's not comfortable. Like don't get me wrong here. This guilt is not a fun thing, but it's a very Mm -hmm. natural, organic thing. And then I so then I went to shame, and I was like, I can't. I can't locate it, but it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can't. Yep. And so I started to get this feeling of being covered in it when I have a shame storm, as Brené Brown would call it. And so, yep. and then it occurred to me, I was like, oh my God, it's like, it feels like it's the outside in.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Guilt mm-hmm. is very central. Boom, inside out.
1: I and love then, the way you and say And then that. I was yeah. like, yeah. Yep.
3: so I thought about how is shame used? Mm-hmm. And so when mm-hmm. we use guilt, it's like, I want to make this amendment in my behavior to be a better person, you know, mm-hmm. but shame doesn't do that. Shame tells me I'm not enough.
1: Exactly. Like who's, t- yep.
3: who's telling me that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, it's the they, it's the them, it's the it, it's the yeah. faceless. And I look at, forgive me, but I look at the Catholic church and that idea of heaven, hell, right, wrong, purgatory. Um, I look at, you know, the way that most of our parents were parented in this should language.
2: Yes. Now yep. should,
3: in my opinion, is a shame word. It's a driver. Yep. And so it's always this, you should be this in comparison. Another thing Brene Brown says is, 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 uh, is, comparison is an agent of shame. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. that's another external process. And so yep. Yep. I, this is where I got the idea that I think that shame is a social emotion. Okay. not a human emotion one that's put on us that in in an effort to keep us under control the way we treat men and women is completely different and and usually has a shame driver men yeah. get away with so much more because of the patriarch and shame is used to try and you know keep women controlled you know yeah. for example um we look at uh sexuality and like 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 even even if we look at our body parts, look how much shame is put on genitals compared to like my elbow. And why you know what I mean? Like what, what's the difference? Just part of my body, you know? Yeah.
1: yeah but you can't yeah. say that word, oh,
3: you know, like, <laughs> like I can see your nipples. Oh no. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I can see your fingertips. Who gives a shit? Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, but but so this is what I mean, is like there's all these like social tapestry. Um, mechanisms that used we use to control, and this is why I think shame is the is the number one social emotion. Now, I could be way out in left field, off my rocker, but this really makes sense to me. And when I use this in my life, it it, it provides value for me specifically in my individual experience. I can't express how it how um, it it works with anyone else because I don't know, and I I don't I don't I, can't, I have not read anywhere that says shame is a social emotion.
2: Well, so I, I can tell you for me personally that that episode that we did about shame versus guilt, um, profound change in my life. It was one of those. And I've had a few of those and, and working with you now over the last 16 episodes. That was one of them that really, really has changed my outlook on a lot of things. And, and as such, I have passed that on to, I, I couldn't even tell you anymore. How many people? Hundreds. Of people, uh, right? Yeah, right? So I, th- you know, I think the yeah. real gift, Chuck, is that
3: it gives us choice and choice gives us freedom. So yeah, when I'm absolutely. feeling shame,
1: mm-hmm.
3: I know first thing first thing first, I know it's not mine. This yeah. is being put on me from something else. And it's up to me whether I want to adhere to that uh, law or rule or whatever it is that's being put on me.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Now, guilt, completely different game. Like, it's, they're, yeah. they're apples and oranges. Like, yeah. I feel guilt. and Just I'm, I'm propelled. I want to, you know, like I raised my voice in front of my kids once and that Mm -hmm. made me feel so guilty especially Mm -hmm. thinking about you know the way that we came up it was a different time and I don't want that for my kids and so now I'm propelled into this state of awareness that I want to choose to have disagreements be uh not in front of my kids um and in a way that's productive and uh following the tenets of being seen being heard being loved and feeling lovable and so um you know, with that formula, I get to look at this in a completely different, uh, completely different lens, and, and it propels me to want to be a better human being. Yeah. Shame tells me I'm never going to be enough. Like that's it. That's that's what it says. I'm defective. Yeah.
1: Right. yeah.
3: You know. Yeah. Um, and so I don't want to live in that. And, I, and and I got one life to live, and I'm going to something, choose
2: something that you talked about in the past, and 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 I mean, you're pretty much always talking about it at least as an underlying tone, without actually saying it as much, but. Your emotional or your, your your yeah, your emotional lexicon, right? Your your ability to define individual emotions and, and 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 of course define what an emotion is as opposed to what a I don't know what we're gonna call the and something that's you know an external force on you or whatever. Mm-hmm. The ability to define those things and what a difference it makes, right? It's yeah. not just about knowing the word. It's not just about sounding smart defining guilt and shame being kind of the perfect example of that yeah, whole thing. Yeah. And so whether it's anxiety or excitement or whether it's whatever, but guilt and shame to me is kind of the one that I think everybody can, can really just easily wrap their head around and, and I think and to the, see the, the greatest
3: service right? that we get mm-hmm. is that people put them together.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. So, but the, the bigger picture here, right? Mm-hmm. Sorry. In school, they don't teach you to do this, yep. right? In, in grade eight or grade six or grade four, Nobody said, "Hey guys, here's here's a here's a feeling wheel, here's an emotion wheel, <laughs> right?" And and Christ, they should though, right? Because really, the power that comes from understanding the difference in these words gives you the ability to define and then choose. And to me, that is that, like you said, it's freedom, right? It all more, ties in really to that, right? And, it's more evolution than that, to, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like, um, um,
3: so every one of my staff members has a feeling wheel at their desk. Every everybody okay. does. That's yeah. part of. Part of the culture we have here. Yeah. Um, we don't answer with good, fine. That we, yeah. we go to the wheel if we don't know what the feeling is. Uh, yeah. The other thing is like it, the, it shifts our, uh, our 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 makeup, our operating system, I guess. In that mm-hmm. um, we start by, when, by having an understanding of what the words are. We start to hear or feel what other people are saying through the words they're choosing or their body language, without having to actually say the word. Yeah, you know what I mean, and then when I mm-hmm. when I reframe to somebody, oh, you're you're saying that you feel uh, content, and they go, yeah, that's it, bam. And there's this practice called focus. This is where the locating thing comes from, yep. where we get in touch with our body, our somatic experience, because our somatic experience carries a lot of wisdom, especially relative to the emotional lexicon. So when I say the word I'm feeling out loud, my body shifts, and it's called a knowing. Yep. And so it's not a guess it's just like yep that's it 100% so this guy Eugene Gendlin developed this practice called focus if you guys ever want to look it up it's on just google google focus by eugene gendlin and there's yep. a six step process you can practice anytime you want and it creates alignment it creates a uh, a psychosomatic connection and when okay. we're in that space that makes us connectable which is my definition personally of of spirituality Uh, For me to be spiritual is to be connectable. I I keep it that simple because I'm not a religious guy. I don't know much about any of that stuff. All I know is that um, when I'm fulfilled, I'm connectable. When I'm vulnerable, I'm connectable. When I'm brave, I'm
2: connectable. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna put a show. I'm, I'm just looking that up right now as we're talking because I can do that now with my new setup here. Yeah, <laughs> a couple <laughs> monitors. Uh, so I, I'm looking up at Eugene Gettle and focus so that I can put it in the show notes for the listeners. Cool. Yeah. So,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, I used to. It's a little. You can, you can you can read the book which I have, or you can do a little PDF yeah. that they have. Just uh, yeah. I, I used yeah. to hand. it. he to
2: walks him. you through it. I've I've watched this in the past, and he uh, yeah. he does walk you through the the process in the video, right? So yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah. and you can. Literally do it at the end of your bed. Like, it's an easy yep. practice, but what it yep. does is it creates this like psychosomatic alignment that um, that most of us have never really experienced before. And it expands mm-hmm. our ability to uh, emotionally regulate.
1: Yeah. and have yeah. an understanding
3: yeah. of what we're feeling at any given time. Obviously, the more we practice, the better we get at it and the more connected will
2: become. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, well, I got my denture in from DentKids.com, and I gotta tell you, for the first time in three years, I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm not reliving the trauma, I'm not feeling terrible about myself, I like my smile, it's so awesome. Anyway, hey, they are way less expensive than traditional dentures, no matter what your situation is, whether you're missing one tooth or a whole mouthful, DentKids.com has an affordable solution for you. Check them out, guys. I am so proud to be an ambassador for this product. Now that I have my smile fixed, you can look forward to some video episodes of Ashes Oz. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: So, yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, it's a good it's a good way. I mean, I think the guilt shame thing is a really good way to describe an, an entire um, realm of existence that is mostly unexplored by, by North American capitalist society. And that's a, uh, yeah. Yeah. Capitalism that's doesn't right. like emotional intelligence.
2: All right. Um, I'm glad that we went back over a lot of these things and, and we kind of got off topic, but that's what we do. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. I do want to, I mean, there's a mailbag question in for today and we don't like to, uh, to skip those over whenever, you know, whenever we can help it. So if it's all good with you, I'd like to move on to the mailbag cause you know, sure. we're getting down to our last 20 minutes or so to work here. So, right?
3: yeah. Yeah. We know how I talk.
2: Um, bah, bah, bah. Well, from white rock bc who i got some stories about white rock oh, oh, oh. that is a crazy place yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Mm. i like it's
3: nice though there
2: i love it i love it i'd like to go sober i've, I've never experienced it through that lens of course right because every time i've been there i've been there to party hard but yeah. it, it's been like what an amazing what an amazing place part of the world you know i yeah i'd, I'd really like to go see that sober. yeah so
3: like uh, a lot of people will say they're from White Rock when they're actually in Surrey because Surrey's got such
2: a bad name. <laughs> <laughs> some some mean, Surrey shame, maybe. Yeah, like <laughs> North, North White Rock. You mean you mean South? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So Harry G from White Rock, BC says, and, and and he's actually from White Rock. We're going to give him benefit of the doubt. He's not a Surrey guy, okay? Harry G from White Rock says, "How do you forgive yourself when you have decimated your value system and moral principles?" In addition. In addiction.
3: It sounds like we've got a regular listener. here. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. So I think the first thing I would want to do with this question is look at that very first part of that. How do we forgive ourselves? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. We, you know, we talk about freedom all the time, right? Think about those yeah. prisons we live in, or we lack self-compassion through resentment against ourselves.
1: Okay. Yep. yep.
3: You know, and like, do you give your, do you, are you willing to even allow yourself the permission for forgiveness?
1: Mm-hmm. Do
3: you deserve forgiveness? Yeah. And, and of course we all do, but when we have that internal dialogue, the answers usually come back quite a bit different. Yeah. You know, and so what are we talking? If I don't deserve, if I don't feel like I deserve to forgive myself, I'm probably at a state of really low intrinsic resource, low self esteem, low self worth, low self respect.
1: Yeah,
3: I don't deserve the life I'm living. I don't. Um, you know, these these kids deserve a better dad or mom. Uh, you know, my parents deserve a better son or daughter. Uh, you know what I mean? And and and, uh, yeah, and so, <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: you know, looking at that right away is like are you willing to allow yourself the space to be of value to be forgive, forgiven? Yeah. And I always think, uh, you know, Huggy Bear in that what is that uh, Starsky and Hutch movie <laughs> where Snoop plays Huggy Bear and he says, yeah. uh, to be of error is to be human. To be of forgiveness is to be divine. Uh, and so yes, yeah. You know, <laughs> so much wisdom out of a stupid movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, and so, you know, do we do we trust ourselves to be in a state of growth and connectedness? And so, um, when 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 our you know our value system has been decimated, that just means it's it, there's corrosion. But I mean, when we get healthy, it, it it knocks the dust off. And and the way we get healthy is by practicing these values. The fact uh, that you
2: recognize that there is a value system to be decimated says that you're still you're still holding on, I think, you know what I mean? Yes, and And so
3: what do we know about yesterday?
2: Sucks, but it happened and it's gone. It happened. What do we know about tomorrow? Not a goddamn thing, right?
3: It's completely unwritten. What do we know about the right now? That's the only thing that matters. So what do we do? I mean, we we can sit in that space of, yeah, I really screwed this up. I'm trying to watch my my language. Uh Uh, You know, I, I screwed this up in the past, but I can make a commitment right now. That I, If you give me the opportunity, if I give me the opportunity, I should say, I will mm-hmm. be honest, and that's an important value of mine. If I give me the opportunity, I will be courageous, and that's an important value of mine. If I give me the opportunity, I will be compassionate, and I don't need to prove yep. that to anybody but myself.
1: Yeah. Yep.
3: So that value system is only decimated if I'm living in yesterday. Yep. As, far as, I'm, as far as I know right now, sitting here in front of you, Chuck, right now, my yep. value system is as strong as it needs to be. And I will be, I will be the person I need to be to uphold those values. And I will also allow myself the space of forgiveness Mm -hmm. if I don't Mm -hmm. hold that end up. Because sometimes I'm going to be out of values, and I'm going to be out of rhythm, and I need that contrast to know when I am in rhythm.
1: Yeah,
2: Yeah.
3: to be out of value implies being in value. You know what I mean? And so, like,
1: mm.
3: go ahead. Sorry.
2: These answers sometimes they're—I mean—they're right. They're profound. But how does one put that into practice? How does one go from this place where you're feeling the shame, okay. whatever the guilt yeah. maybe in his case, mm-hmm. to, to to allowing yourself? Like, is there an exercise? Is there something somebody can yeah. do to, yeah. to, to kind of get themselves there? Yeah. And, yeah. And,
3: absolutely. Know. So, so something practical. Okay. Uh, first of all, no room for shame. So, I think I like that you brought that up right away because that that I think that is a uh, uh, stuck to everything here. Yep. and I, we, we need to, we need to we need to make this guilt this is about being a better human being this isn't mm-hmm. about not being enough yeah so we got to get shame out the door they can beat it okay now we're at guilt so what are the values first thing i would do is get my top five values i would go to Brené Brown.com and to look at her 100 values list that she has it's a pdf and i would pick my top five and i you know she says to have three is to have none i don't agree i think that you can have a set of values I would number them in priority, which I uh, often get my clients to do. And then I would go to those values. Okay. Which ones are decimated? Okay. So uh, I have not been integral. Okay. So from now on moving forward, my commitment based on integrity itself is to be integral, which is kind of a duality or a double commitment. (laughs) You know (laughs) what I mean? But so, and and it doesn't matter what happened yesterday. Mm -hmm. Well, all yesterday has done is inform me about today and how I'm going to write tomorrow. So, yep. so I'm not sitting in that shame of yesterday. I'm going to be in the guilt of the now and propel me into the triumph of tomorrow.
1: Yeah.
3: Right? Yep. And so I get those mm-hmm. values. Um, I don't know. I don't use the term uh, moral. I think he said moral principles. Uh, moral to me is a, another one of those shamey outside in yep.
1: words. Yep. Yep.
3: Um, so that's not really in my lexicon. I see it as a, a deficit-based term, but that could be just me. Um, I just Mm -hmm. look at the value system and living within that and finding alignment and rhythm. And so, um, so then we take those things and we look at, I just do an assessment, which ones have been decimated, which ones are strong, which ones can carry me uh, while the other ones are being, you know, uh, being strengthened. And then, um, and then I, and then I, and I make those commitments and I, and I, every little, every little victory, I appreciate every little win.
2: I might throw a suggestion out there as well. Of course, you know I'm not a, I'm the, <laughs> the host. I'm not the therapist, but I'm a host now too. Uh, for, <laughs> does that mean I'm a therapist now too? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I am a what is it a P R R remorse, post remorse, recording uh, remorse. P R R T. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, no, and, and just a ton of my own lived experience, right? Um, yeah, you you I, have I would something say, to say, Chuck. Yeah, I know I do. I'm just I'm just being silly. Right. Listening to Harry and, and being in Harry's, well, being in Harry's shoes not that long ago. Yeah. Every time you want to say sorry to somebody, say thank you. Instead, thank you for giving me another shot. Not sorry that I did this. And the difference, the difference. And I don't just mean when you're sitting there having that conversation. I mean, if you're sitting there wallowing in guilt, and I'm going to say shame, even though we shouldn't be in shame. But if, if these are the things that are affecting you right now, don't want to be what in shame. you did to your mother, your sister, your brother, your whoever, call them and say thank you for giving me another chance. Don't, don't just, you know, and if you want to get out of wallowing in it, it it's the shift, the fundamental shift in in their reactions to you and, and, and how you perceive everything is amazing. Those, those gratitudes are absolutely, you know, yeah, they're everything to me. So, yep. yeah,
3: let's give it a little space that's profound um hmm. i don't like the word sorry nope. i like nope. i like to thank you thank you for, and all we, the other thing is like right. thank you for helping me become a better person
1: yeah.
3: unfortunately right. you had to go through some pain pain is a constant we're always going to be have pain that's part of love suffering yeah. is a choice yeah. True story. so True story. i would look at this question and i would say how much of this do you want to suffer and how much do you want to get going moving yes. forward um, but I do like the life experience answer there. I mean, obviously minus theoretical, because that's what I do. I appreciate your input, Chuck. I think that that is yeah. makes it quite yeah. uh, text. It gives it texture. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think I think in a value assessment getting back to, you know, working on the ones that uh, need to be strengthened and relying on the ones that are strong. I think that that that's enough to carry us. Staying open, be, having an open mind and keep and, and the other thing is like we're writing the future, so let's set some goals. Let's start dreaming big. Let's start looking at who we want to be in this world and and start putting the, the the micro movements in place to be that person and allow yourself the space to fail. That's part of the human condition. Uh and I don't mean fail. I mean i mean um i mean what's the other word for fail thesaurus ah lesson allow ourselves the space to learn lessons and we learn yeah. often learn lessons by taking a wrong step or moving in the wrong direction and we need to appreciate those as lessons our history is an archive we only go there to get information that's all it is yeah. we get information to apply to the now and to in, influence how we write tomorrow and so uh yeah just don't stay in it. Be who you want to be. He's already here. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Gary, right. The guy you story. want to be is
3: already it's here. Story. He's already here, man. You hmm. don't have to build anything to make that happen. We just gotta uncover some things. Yeah. There's an old it's yeah. an old saying from a guy named Chuck C wrote a book called A New Pair of Glasses. He says we uh, uncover, discover, and discard. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so
2: yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. It does. Um we could go on about this for hours, but hey, Good, we got yep. another episode next week to do it in, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That brings us to my favorite part of the show, and that is the daily gratitudes. Today's daily gratitudes are brought to you by Revolution Recovery, helping men recover and become their best selves through support and treatment. They've been there, and they understand. All right, so what you got for us today for some daily gratitudes, Ryan?
3: Um, nothing changes for me, man. I mean. Beautiful, supportive wife and two lovely children. Um, I uh, I'm super grateful that I have people in my world that can see my humanness and, and that allow me the space to be human and, and fallible, um, and also understand the importance of forgiveness and amendment, and that this is not a linear process. That we uh, at times take a step back in order to take two steps forward, and, and that that's the way life is. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just grateful for the beautiful people in my life, especially my my wife and
2: daughters. Yeah, mm-hmm. great. great. Uh, for myself, I'll, I'll throw in a couple extras in this time. I am very grateful to some help I got getting my uh, my hardware up and running here. It's uh, <laughs> it was what an ex- what a what a stressful week that was, man. I I just you know beside myself, kind of with what do I do now, right? You know, I, and um nobody nobody expected that to happen and it did and and here we are now so you know back up and running and, and better than ever at that so you know and and, and hopefully down the road something like that happen again i've set myself up in just such a way that it's not uh it's not um, the word i'm looking for sorry detrimental detrimental to to the whole damn thing catastrophic maybe is a better word for yeah. it right yeah uh so so for that i'm very very grateful and you know who you are if you're listening and of course, the listeners, you guys, thank you so much for, for keep, continuing to tune in. Um, I, I, went damn near a week without any content, uh, and, and, you know, on this week too, it's less, there is some major changes happening to the format of the show, but I'm going to roll those out over the coming days. Uh, stay tuned for that. And, uh, yeah, I, I it blew me away throughout this entire week and a half. The numbers barely took a hit. People are still listening. So that's, um, I'm pretty proud of that. I'm really proud of that actually. So thank you guys for that. If you're on Spotify, please uh, give us a comment. Um, I love seeing those comments and I publish them all good, bad, or somewhere in between. If you're on Apple, rate us, review us, do the things, you know what we like to do. And of course, if you are listening and you're not on Spotify, you can watch us on YouTube now as well. You just search Ashes to Awesome Podcast on Spotify. You can listen to audio or to video. So there's that. Every time you guys do any one of these things, you're getting me a little bit closer to living my best life. My best life is to make a humble living spreading the message, and the message is this. If you are in active addiction right now, today could be the day. Today could be the day that you start that lifelong journey. Reach out to a friend, reach out to a family member, call into detox, go to a meeting, do whatever the hell it is you need to do, because it is so much better than the alternative. And if you are the loved one of somebody who is suffering in addiction, you've just taken the time to listen to us talk, maybe take another minute out of your day and text that person let them know they're loved use the words
0: you are loved
2: that little glimmer of hope just might be the thing that brings it back I'm the monster with a mind oh, to drugs and frustration created this isolation and others find selfish
0: had to cope with some shit that could kill hit the all switch had to do a mind shit to get through the time stretch seems like bad days last and the good days fly quick this monster in my thoughts taunts me till I'm sick takes over reality can you feel the insanity body shaking like my thoughts are causing allergies truth and fiction can't seem to tell the difference anyone out there relate to me my only one tripping left wishing I could be the No one in the room, anxiety got me twitching, feel the monster in the distance, gotta get busy, can't let this shit affect me, with no one left to protect, who's gonna protect me, feels like shit's getting messy, now that the monster's taking over, I think it's the only one that gets me, yeah. I learned, had no way to turn With all the bridges burned Pain is what I know Hearts hard as stone Feel the shakes in my bones I'm turning cold Look at what I did You had my back from the beginning But I couldn't see it I was blinded by my feelings Selfish, I guess me and the monster Have a lot of common Look in the mirror, see the reflection of the problem Yeah